There are times when mindfulness of the body is so central to what we're doing that mindfulness maybe could be called bodyfulness. To become more and more embodied. And so it's my, kind of my intention to talk about mindfulness of the body this morning, but it might end up being implicit rather than explicit. As I say some other things, related things, as part of the instruction. One of the things that uh, you want to be a little careful with in doing this practice, a practice which I have kind of devoted much of my life to, central to my life, organizing principle for my life. I spend much time teaching it. So certainly I think it's important, but it's best not to take it too seriously. If you take it too seriously, it tends to create separation more than connection. There's a way in which serious can be seen as living in ideas of what should be and what's important and in some ways we pull away or create a distance between what we're experiencing and the control tower, me, myself, and mine, that's the one who's being serious. And at the same time, it's important to be careful not to be dismissive of anything, not to be complacent or too casual about what's happening here, because that also can create a separation, a distancing of, from experience. It can also come from that place where we coagulate, concentrate, or tense up around me and myself and mine. And so if being serious and being dismissive are kind of like two ends, two, two extremes, and we're looking for the middle way, Perhaps the middle way is to love. Is to love what is here. To meet what's here with kindness, care. To care for what's here. To attend to what's here in our experience. 
as Andrea talks about, to be with the experience. And there's a way in which to be mindful or to be embodied, bodyful, is to meet the experience with, as if it's something to care about, something to value or something that is not removed from us, not the object of objectification, not something that defines us and makes us into something, but each thing, each phenomena that occurs arises and passes in its own time, can be cared for, loved, or can be met. in a way that it's not objectified or made something out there. It's not the object of the control tower, not the object of self as the agent, self as the experiencer, self as the doer, self as the victim, and part of this middle way to be with experience, to care or to love, is to allow yourself to feel the experience you're having. Allow the physical manifestation of whatever is going on to touch you. The word in Pali word for contact, sense contact, literally is touch. To touch and be touched To touch and to be touched are not two different things. The mind can distinguish between the two, but in reality, to touch something with our senses and to be touched by what comes, arise together. And the art of mindfulness is to be careful about the objectification, and both of what's out there as being something completely distinct, but also the objectification of self, of the doer, and 
the one who has to accomplish and get something and become something, the one who we, that we objectify as being the one who is inadequate or not quite right. And to any of these ways in which we separate ourselves, can we turn towards it and feel it, recognize it, be touched by what the experience feels like? In any of the ways in which we separate ourselves from experience, objectify self and objects. To turn around and feel what it feels like to congeal around the doer and congeal around the one who's not doing well enough to congeal around the one who's going to be right or wrong, successful or a failure, praised or blamed. And to feel that caringly, all things we can care for. There's an art to turning around and meeting and caring for anything and everything. All the movements of mind and heart and body. What is it to meet it with kindness, care, attend? Not taking it too seriously and not being dismissive. But to love, to have attention be love in whatever way that's your way to love, to care, to be kind. And so to be mindful of the body, to be bodyful about the body, to not objectify the body as something that's apart from you, to not objectify the body as being what defines you, But the body that we can attend to, feel and sense, every sensation that you have in your body is an expression of the energy of life inside of you. the energies that keep you alive, 
every sensation, pleasant and unpleasant, will no longer exist when you're dead, when the life force is not there for you. What is it to this precious, special, unique thing of sensations? Sensations of breathing, the body breathing. What is it like not to objectify the breath as a, the breathing as a, a thing apart from you, but rather to feel, to experience how the body experiences breathing? And to notice as you experience the body breathing are the ways in which the mind pulls back, objectifies, creates distance. Tries too hard, strains. Resists. is too casual, such a way that there's no real meeting and intimacy, no, no love of the body breathing. Sometimes it's nice to look for the softness of awareness. So awareness and mindfulness is not hard or tight. The softness of receiving sensations of the body breathing And the mind is rebelling or the mind is bored or dismayed or discouraged or overeager. <clears throat> that too can be loved. That too can be felt and attended to. If there's a lot of chatter, mental chatter, attend to yourself like someone who is hyperactive and just needs a calm listener who attends with care and love. And maybe that's what the hyperactive thinking needs, not to be pushed away or let go of dismissively. but to be listened to or be present, be attended to with love, to feel and sense.
or if the mind is withdrawn, shy to love and attend is to be very quiet, calm. And if the mind is reactive to what's happening in the body, for or against it, tightening up, afraid or aversive or desirous, to not make anything a problem, but to feel and sense, to attend, to love that too not to condone it, but the kind of care that allows things to begin to thaw and relax on their own. Where we're not fueling, feeding the tendencies of the mind, the reactions of the mind. But we're not in conflict with it either. a soft awareness. Perhaps even a softening awareness. Softening because we're not caught up in the distance of objectification. Instead of objectification, we're subjectifying. Everything is the subject. Everything is here to be felt, to experience with respect, to allowed, but not to be indulged in or not to be caught up in, not to feed. And so to have the body, mindfulness of the body be the foundation. As if it's the source, as if it's the beginning place, as if it's the basis, the place to rest, the place to sense, If there are strong sensations in the body, what is it like to attend to that, to be with it, with love or soft awareness, not taking as being, not being too serious about it, 
but not dismissive either. Something else, one more thing to be present for with care. Soft awareness that supports the mind to get quieter, supports the mind to be more at ease. That helps the mind not to get pulled into the world of objects and the world of self. The world where we are, live at a distance from the immediacy of now.
Many years ago, I sat a retreat with a Thai meditation teacher named Buddha Dasa. And a very influential man, teacher. And uh, he gave the opening talk of the retreat outdoors. He valued practicing in nature. And he gave probably a wonderful talk. I don't remember any of it. Except when he finished giving the talk and we all started to get up to leave and only to a handful of people probably who could at that point hear what he had to say, um, he kind of said, oh, and by the way, <laughs> don't do anything that takes you away from your body. And that was such a strange statement for me to hear. What is he talking about? Don't do anything that takes away from your body. So during that 10 day retreat, that phrase kept repeating itself in my mind. And I noticed how often I left my body. The first time I noticed it in that retreat was, we had to walk across, down a dirt road through the woods and across a field kind of for lunch. And I was so eager to eat that I could feel that was like my, my energetic self or my sense of self somehow was I was leaning forward and I was kind of I was kind of like ahead of myself and I noticed that I could step pull back sit up straight and put myself back in myself for a little while until lunch loomed again and I could feel leaning energetically forward and, and feeling kind of go back and forth in my body not in my body and I started noticing how uh, during sittings I would get lost in thought. And during those moments of being lost in thought, there was no body. <laughs> it just had receded from awareness. And so don't, don't do anything, you lose touch with your body. So I'd come back into my body. And uh, I've come to learn that this is a phenomenally useful grounding, anchor, support for being in the present moment. The body is always in the present moment, the mind, may or may not be, I mean, it is always, but that's not how it presents itself when we get lost in thoughts. And um, <clears throat> to come back in the body is a way of kind of ensuring that you're here in the present moment more often, walking down the steps at the end of this sitting, <coughs> to feel the steps against the bottoms of your feet, or to feel the the kinesthetic movements of your body, or if you're holding the railing to feel what it feels like to hold the railing, the smoothness. To come uh, stand in line and to feel what it's like for a body to be standing and take a short step and stand again. And what's that like physically, that experience? To stand in front of the message board downstairs, the note board, and the sense, what's the, what's the physicality, the sensing of seeing like? What's that experience of seeing? Just what's that experience as a embodied experience? And what happens around the eyes as you see? And what happens with your sense of presence as you see? And what happens to your thinking and you see? Do you start going into your thoughts? Are you more relating to what you see through the lens of whatever you're thinking about, 
or yeah, whatever you're thinking about looking at the board, is it more through the lens of the direct experience of seeing? Or you hear sound? Are you more hearing the sound through the lens of your ideas and judgments of the sound? Or what does this mean to in sound, to stay with your body as you listen, the sensing of hearing? And even sometimes with thinking, if, especially if there's a lot of thinking, there can be a physical sensations connected or energetic sensations connected to all that thinking. And what's it like to feel that, to be with that? So to come back to your body and use that as a grounding, you know, it helps stay in the flow of the present moment the more often you can do that. And one of the reasons why on retreat, some people find it helpful at certain times to do things slowly, to walk slowly, to eat slowly, to whatever you're doing, uh, not because we're supposed to be kind of restrained and tight being slow, but the opposite. At certain times, it can feel like that's the way to be intimate. That's the way to immerse oneself in the field of the present moment of the body and sensing. And it's more like an opening, a connecting to deeper to the practice to ourselves that we go slower, not to, you know, you know, it's not a tightening up or closing down. And if that's the case for you, you might see if there's some way, the art of slowing down what you do, that is actually stabilizing, opening, helps the intimacy, helps you really feel and sense and let the body be the carrier of your practice. Another reason why this mindfulness of the body is so useful is the body is not an inert object, hunk of flesh. The, the Buddha said once, the body is old karma that should be felt. Such a simple statement, powerful statement. The body is old karma that should be felt. So the task that he's giving us is really feel the body, experience it. All karma, how I interpret that, is that since many of the sensations we experience in our body, not all of them, but many of them, um, are connected to the psychological workings of our mind. And uh, our emotional life, our experience through our body, our psychology, so much is processed in the body. The body and the mind are not really that separate. They're, in, they're, in, they're operating together. And, and there's a way in which when we feel experience or feel emotions, feel whatever's going on physically, we're connecting to a larger inner process that's unfolding that is wiser than most of us here. I shouldn't say all of us. I, some, of you can, some, of you, some of you are welcome to be the exception. But, um, but uh, you know, there, we have this phenomenal apparatus here that's, that it can do so much, it processes so much that experiences and responds and moves through things through. And, and I find that if I keep folding my experience back to the body, especially when there's strong emotions and difficult states, just I find it so helpful to just fold back to the body. Nothing has to happen, not to fix anything or resolve anything. Just be present for it, be present through the body, that some deep process begins to unfold. 
It's like the Dharma knows what to do when we don't. And so to, let, to experience it in the body is a, one of the ways to help the Dharma move through us rather than, you know, our control tower directing the show or our control tower thinking it knows what's supposed to happen and what's not supposed to happen. And so if these things I've said today make some sense for you, then maybe it'll help put you in your senses. But if it doesn't make sense, don't worry about it too much. And um, I think it's enough just to take the base, most basic practice. It's enough just to keep working with your breathing, keep developing your mindfulness in the way you know how. Um, it's a powerful thing to be on retreat. And, and um, I'd encourage you just to trust the process, stay in the flow. It's a journey we're on. It's a beautiful, noble journey to do this practice. A couple of announcements, a few announcements. One is we'll start the practice discussion this morning. And uh, so half of you that signed up for today will meet with Andrea and I. Andrea will meet with people in one room 100, which is behind the manager's office. If you go around counterclockwise past the elevator and keep going counterclockwise, you'll see room 100. And, and uh, I'll meet with people in room one that's off the big community room. The room, and when some, someone comes out, you can just come in. You don't have to wait for us to come and get you or something. Um, and um, and then um, uh, in the evening at nine o'clock, uh, Andre or I will say a few words, reflections, words of encouragement, um, words words of love, perhaps, and. Um, and uh, so if you want to stay up, um, you know, you can, that's available. You know, some, for some people that's an added incentive to, you know, if they're sitting on the fence, whether they go to the last sitting or not. This might tip you one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the last thing is that uh, we have a volunteer who comes here regularly to work in the garden named Alice. And um, she'll be coming today and one more time, maybe Thursday or Friday. You'll see her quietly, calmly. She often comes on retreats. And uh, sometimes when she comes, she also comes to a sitting or comes to the Dharma talk. So she's been invited to do so. So you'll see someone that if you're looking around, you might not recognize. And also there's some guests coming for uh, uh, to see me this uh, spending the night here this, uh, this evening. And uh, they're longtime practitioners and, and uh, you know, been here before in retreat. And so it's possible they'll want to come and sit in the morning. Or, so you might see a couple more people. And so if you see people you don't recognize, uh, they're friendly. <laughs>